California. KPCA is Petaluma's community radio station. Our mission is to promote freedom of expression. Tune in to hear a variety of local programs that range from eclectic assortments of music to fascinating talk shows. You can find us at 103.3 FM or listen live online from anywhere in the world at kpca.fm. Guess what I'm tired of? A year of canceling, rescheduling, and having to say no? Exactly. I'm ready to say yes to being together again. I am ready to say yes to date night with my partner. I'm ready to say yes to backyard barbecues with our family and friends. So, does that mean you'll get the vaccine when you're eligible? Yes, I will. And I hope you do, too. So we can go to concerts like that one that was canceled last year. I can't wait till we can cheer on our favorite team in the bleachers and hug and smile without masks. Say yes to the vaccine for yourself, for your family and friends, for your neighbors and co-workers. The vaccine is safe. In fact, tens of thousands of people participate in the well-controlled clinical trials. The vaccine is trusted. An overwhelming share of doctors have opted for the shots, and it's free to everyone. To get the facts you're looking for, including who's eligible and where you can get your vaccine, go to SoCoEmergency.org. Say yes to the vaccine when it's your turn, so we can all say yes to being together again. Peter Thompson. Good morning, John. Good morning, Cindy. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's Friday. It's Friday. Yeah. And we're live. We're live. And we're alive. And we're alive. And you know something? I woke up this morning for the first time in quite a long time. I I just had this feeling of hope. I don't know. I just felt hopeful. Really? When I woke up this morning. Oh. And and considering everything that's going on in the world. it was it was a big relief, and I don't know why I felt so hopeful, but I was just calm. Well, I um, I was calm this morning, but all I can think about is Ukraine and two million yeah, people, yeah, and um, what a dictator, fascist looks like, and we were almost there in this country. Yeah, we were about a millimeter from the same thing, and so you know this, as I said last week, this, you know. Reminds me when my grandparents, you know, had to leave their countries, and the ones that didn't um, were murdered by the Nazis. Yeah. And here we are again, watching yeah. this on TV. And if uh, I don't know what uh, constitutes a war crime, but I would say there's a lot of war crimes going on. Yeah. And this, um, when you start um, bombing hospitals, um, that's about as evil as it gets. Yeah. Well, actually, putting people in concentration camps and doing experiments on people are are worse. But yeah. it's, it's uh, so I'm, I'm glad that you woke well, up this morning with hope, and yeah. I do have hope that there is going to be a change, yeah. and I hope it comes really quickly um, because um, the world is really watching. And uh, I will tell you, if I could, I'd go over there in a second and I'd fight. 
but I haven't been asked to. Yeah. But I've offered. Well, I'm just hopeful that my feeling of hope is an indication that maybe things might be getting going in a more positive direction. Right, well, I like I'm that. I'm hopeful. Anyway. Well, I appreciate that. I really like uh, we need to be positive, but it's really hard. It is really hard. And, you know, it, I, I probably am not as impacted by it as you are considering I don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. So I won't watch the news. I do look at the headline on the Press Democrat every morning. I'll spend 15 minutes on the paper and then I'm done. I just can't. I can't yeah. make it. Well, I do. I read the New York Times and then I get the PD just because, yeah. and the Chronicle. And so I like to not just watch TV but actually read about it. And I really yeah. um, am careful what news organizations I listen to, but also. Yeah. Um, Who's writing the article? Yeah, you know, so that's really important to get facts and yeah. uh, and and here we go. But and here we speaking go. of hospitals, yeah, um, yeah, um, we had um, back in 2020 there was Measure CC on the ballot, which was a um, a a measure for the residents of Petaluma to vote on whether they were uh, supporting the acquisition of Petaluma Valley Hospital uh, by, um, oh, who are they? I've got it written down here. I want to get it right. Providence Providence. St. Joseph Health. Um, Actually, it was NorCal Health Connect which is a secular affiliate of Providence St. Joseph Health. And uh, that measure passed. Uh, We gave away our hospital. And um, a year later, we have with us um, some of our nurses that are going to give us an update on what exactly has transpired in the last year. And so I'm uh, pleased to welcome with us today Jim Gorlick, who's a registered nurse with PVH and also the president of the Petaluma Staff Nurse Partnership, which is the union representing the nurses at PVH. Uh, good morning, Jim. Good morning. Thanks for having us. And we also have with us uh, Jean Marie Zach, who is a registered nurse in the intensive care unit. Good morning, Jean Marie. Good morning. Thank you both for being here. So, wow, I, I can't even believe it's been a year. Um, uh, but I bet you guys can certainly believe it, uh, uh, since uh, Jim and I had quite a conversation earlier this week. In fact, it was an hour's length, and uh, I, I, I'm glad that you're here today because we need to talk about this. And uh, so, how are you guys feeling about what's going on right now? It's been really interesting, kind of, some of our um, 
of poor voting uh, about selling a hospital to this corporation um, has come to pass, but it hasn't been all bad. There has been a lot of good things that have happened as well, and so, you know, we're, um, you know we've, we've just been talking about that. We wanted to update the community a little bit more regularly on what's going on there, since, you know, I mean, it's not technically still the community hospital, but it is still the community hospital. That's what we have in our backyard, and so I think it's important for, for the community to know what what's going on and what's good and bad and, and where we could use the community's uh, support to try to improve things. Okay. So so it was a good thing. You did finally. You It was four years in the makings for you to get that new contract. Is that right? Yeah, uh, pretty much. I mean, we had to get, of, get away from our last union and then go through the negotiation process. And yes, it was a four years long. Wow. Okay, so when the contract that you did end up ratifying, is, is it meeting your your expectations? Yeah, no, it was a good contract. Um, you know, where where we had to give um, that affects us most directly was around wages. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were unable to get the wages up to where we needed to be right away. Um, so you know another year or so out, year, year and a half, we're going to be up there with what's in the local area again. Um, and so, um, so you know, long term, I think that that's going to be good, and it has made a difference. We're not having near the amount of nurse turnover. We're still having more than we would want, but it was nothing like it was, you know, a year, two years ago when we were speaking with you all. Um, so the workforce is more stable than it was back then. Okay, so let's start with some of the positive changes uh, that you've seen uh, within the institution. Um, well, I think what we see um, is more cooperation and more interest in working together on the local level. Okay. It's not that we're agreeing with everything, and uh, there's still things that you know need improvement upon or improved upon. But, um, but we have seen, you know, one good thing about the hospital being owned by the Providence um, is that there's monies going into fixing the place. So, you know, our med rooms are open. Uh, the mold situation has been taken care of. Um, there's new curtains on the wall. There's, um, there's more vital sign machines, more computers available. There's just more resources there. Um, monitors are working that weren't for a long time. So, like, overall, that is, is really good to, um, and, and is continuing to improve. There's still lists that are going regularly to managers about things that we need. Um, there's also been a, um, an interest and in an investment in education. Uh, we have a lot of newer nurses, um, in part because of of the wage situation, and it's a good entry-level hospital, um, you know, and we're trying to figure out ways to keep those nurses um, for the long term, and one of the things that the hospital has done that's been really helpful has been um, bringing in a nurse educator. We now have two in the hospital, and they're focusing heavily on um, just keeping things interesting. You know, the, the more you're learning, the more you're engaging, um, that, that also makes the work environment interesting. 
Um, and so the hospital uh, met us on our request to have every nurse um, have their ACLS, their Advanced Cardiac Life Support uh, Certification. Um, they're meeting us on having all the nurses up on the med surge telemetry floor um, trained um, with a, a cardiac monitor, and, and there's look of expanding that role. Um, they've also um, met with us, and we've, we're moving forward on a cross-training um, cross training mission or whatever, where we're training nurses who, whose home unit is, say, like med surge, to then cross-train over into ICU or to the ER or OB so that when staffing levels are low in one area, we have nurses of that expertise to be able to go in between units, which should help stabilize staffing and retain staff as well because then you can do multiple things within the hospital so it stays interesting. Hey, Jim, when you're talking about the classes, so does the, do those go toward your CE units, the classes um, some of them, yes, will, you can use for your CEUs and your recertifications, um, and then, you know, some of them are just, um, like, like uh, the hospital also committed to regular mock codes. And, and so, you know, there's no CEUs, but, you know, that's invaluable. Like, right. you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, so it's, on that front, like, that stuff is all really, really good, and we're really happy to um, be able to, to say these things to the community. It's only going to make it safer for everybody. Okay, right? and, and for the listeners out there, CEUs is continuing education units, which is a requirement of um, these professionals uh, in order to keep up their license. So, all of us here sitting here today are from the medical industry, <laughs> so we're so used to using the acronyms that right. we forget sometimes. How many how many units do you need a year? A nurse. Is it 45 um, Well, we're every two years that we have to uh, recertify, and I think we need 30, okay. at least 30 educational hours. Okay. Okay. So um, it sounds like some good things are happening. Uh, when we were here last, we had concerns about women's health. Have you seen any changes uh, in, in that uh, area so far? Um, that department continues to struggle. Um, and we've got some really good nurses down there. Um, and um, where they're struggling, you know, there's, there's a nursing shortage for various reasons throughout the country. Um, and they've had a lot, of time, a lot of hard time getting new nurses of quality um, well, I won't say of quality, but just more nurses that have some experience to come in to PDH. So there's just not that many that are out there, apparently. Um, so their staffing levels have been um, not what they should be. They did find some travelers that I've heard are really awesome right now. And so that's, um, that's helping the situation. And then um, they've been struggling with a, a lack of a manager. They had one that was there for just a short time, and then she left. And so it's been... Difficult. Um, there have been some meetings. Um, Providence brought in a regional director of nursing, uh, Dan Kelly is his name, and um, and so far he's been really great. We've met with him a few times. Um, OB in particular met with them and, and with him and had a list of things that they felt would improve their unit and their staffing, um, equipment wise and personnel wise. And some of those things that they've requested have 
come to fruition. And um, and the hospital also another good thing that they're they're working on right now is they they hired on some extra um, CNAs, some some certified nursing assistants, and they're looking at training those CNAs into some of these other units so that they can help out as well. Because like one of the things in OB is they need clerical help a lot of the times. The nurses are busy with you know delivery or patient care. And to have somebody in that central area helping manage, you know, information um, would be would be super helpful. So, so we're we're hopeful that um, that that that's going in the right direction. Kim, how does um, the nursing schools are are they um, cranking out nurses, or because of COVID, are people more reluctant to go into the medical? Because I know when I went into dental hygiene. AIDS was the big deal, and it was really, um, it, it was not as difficult to get into programs because people chose not to go into medical because of AIDS, and then we have COVID now. Are we going to see the same lull in applicants um, for nursing? I haven't heard that there was a lack of people going into the field. Um, I know we still are having regular uh, groups of nursing students come through, and that happened even through the pandemic. Um, and so, um, you know, a lot of nurses um, either got burnt out during the pandemic or decided to retire early, or some of them just said, I'm going into a different field altogether. Um, some of them decided to leave and take up travel nursing during this because it was so lucrative. Um, so there's just, uh, there's just not as many of them out there. And even with the schools turning out, even if they were turning out the same amount that they were prior to the pandemic, it's going to take a while to, to, to get caught up. Okay. So I want to touch back on something that you mentioned about staffing. Now, staffing is, is um, determined uh, according to the uh, acuity numbers. Is that correct? Right. And acuity, for those who don't know, acuity is, um, you know, how sick a patient is, how what their needs are um, during a 8- or 12-hour shift. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so uh, there's a state regulation, Title 22, that kind of lays out for the state of California what uh, like a, a, a ratio of nurse-to-patient ratio would be. Um, and those ratios are, are minimum. Um, but the Title 22 also expects that um, all hospitals will have an acuity system so that um, you can capture what the needs are of the patient and and you would staff according to to those numbers. And so a lot of times that is above the ratios, um, depending on the unit and the need of the patients. And, um, and uh, that that is something that a hospital does not have at the, at the moment. Okay. So as I understand it, Providence uh, uh, installed the um – uh, Epic system, which is a, a software that's out of Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, so it's a paperless medical record and uh, other functions, uh, including acuity uh, in the hospital. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so they, they did switch to Epic um, when we, the last computer system that we had was called Meditech, and on that one there was actually an acuity tool. So you would go on to that and you would click the needs of the patients, and then that would generate a number. Um, and we have an acuity committee um, that's 
half run by the union and half run by the hospital, and they validate that tool regularly. They make updates and changes to it as necessary to reflect the patients. Um, with Epic, uh, we, we just, I don't think we're really getting, it's almost like we're getting uh, politicians' answers around the acuity system. Um, the acuity committee has been a little uh, challenged, I'll say, maybe frustrated is a better word, um, in, in, in the lack of um, just upfront uh, responses around um, capturing acuity. Um, what we've heard from the hospital thus far is that um, the acuity is based on um, the nurses charting, the CNAs charting, the doctor's orders. So what's, what's put into the computer is supposed to generate a number. And, and it does, but that number um, is not currently being used the way it was supposed to be used. So there's not, um, the, the acuity committee is focusing right now on how do we make sure that the nurses and the CNAs are charting correctly to make sure that we capture everything that needs to be captured? Then when that number is generated, what are we doing with that number? How are we showing that, you know, if, say, and this is just arbitrary numbers, say, say the, the total for this floor is 1,000 points and it, we have this amount of staffing, then when the number is 1,200 points, how does it reflect that we have more staffing on the floor than we did when it was a thousand points? So, so that is something that um, you know uh, the acuity committee over the next couple of months we've heard from the hospital that they really do want to get this tool validated, and so that is the focus of the committee right now is to make sure that that tool is is verifiable and accurate. Um, I, I just want to make it just a quick comment on like the EPIC system and the other systems hospitals are using. There seems to be um, a problem with them talking to each other because, you know, I'm involved with um, Stanford, UCSF, and Providence, and then Sutter, and not all the information is on each of those networks. So um, I haven't heard of too many um uh, holes like that, gaps in the information. I know, like, I've had some patients um, over the last few months that um, in the past uh, with Meditech, you'd have to have parts of a chart copied and sent. Um, but, like, now I can get into a, a patient's chart and I can see, oh, they were at Sutter. What happened over at Sutter? And so I can get those labs. And so as far as I've seen, it, it is better in that regard. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's yeah. good to hear. Yeah, yeah. So, um, getting back to staffing, um, how are things going with regards to paid time off and canceling of shifts? Um, so, uh, yeah, when you and I talked about this the other day, yeah. Cindy, mm -hmm. um, we are um, in the middle of a, of a bit of a fight with the hospital over this, and this is not so much the local administration, this is more the, the bean counters. Um, within the Providence system. Um, but during COVID, there were a couple of periods where um, there was a, a, like a, a state fund. There was a COVID relief account that was available to nurses who, or to just employees in general, but for us, for the nurses who um, were out with possible COVID-related symptoms. Um, the first of those um, ran out in, I think it was the end of, September of this of this last year, and and there's now another one that has 
has started from the beginning of January, um, but for that three or four month period where there was no account um, from the state forthcoming, the hospital um, was canceled. Say like a, a nurse called in sick. Um, maybe they were just sick for whatever reason. Um, could be COVID, could be not. Um, maybe they were only sick for one day. The hospital was then taking them off the schedule for multiple days uh, because they wanted a COVID test done, say, like three days into symptoms, right? You want it to be accurate. Um, and so uh, they, the nurse would, would have to wait to come back to work until they were cleared by employee health. And sometimes that took two, three, four, five shifts. Um, and uh, and during that time, if there was a benefit in employee, the hospital, even though they had mandatorily made this person stay home, basically placed them on an administrative leave, was using that benefited nurse's paid time off account, which is meant to be used for sick. Uh, when you call in sick for yourself, or it's to be used for vacation or education, things like that. Um, and and we have strict rules in our contract about when and how the hospital can use our paid time off banks, because those are ours. That's that's a personal belonging. It's a benefit. Um, it's a benefit that we earn, but even if you, even if you um, leave the hospital, they have to pay you those money. So they were using those banks, um, and in some cases, exhausting those banks. So then nurses can't take time off because they don't have it. And you can imagine that at the end of this pandemic, there's some people that would really like some time off. Yeah. Um, but then also for our non-benefited, they were faced with the same thing. They were being canceled of their shifts. and um, But they didn't even have any PTO. So some of them were going without the leave. And um, so we uh, we are in the middle of the grievance procedure over this. Um, we have asked for a federal mediator to get involved. Um, we're hoping that that federal mediator uh, can kind of help uh, find some way forward to get these nurses paid time off banks uh, replenished and to make whole those nurses who lost um, wages um, because of the cancellation of shifts, and if we're not successful there, then we're looking at taking this to arbitration. Jim, did this affect um, all employees in the hospital or just nurses? Um, my understanding is that all employees. Yeah, that's my understanding also. Yeah, um, and, and it affected employees throughout the system. So, uh, I mean, there are... There are other unions that we're talking with that are kind of in the same boat, and everybody's kind of taking a look at this. I believe that we are the first union locally that I've heard of that's, you know, at the stage we are in the challenging of this. But um, my understanding is, you know, legally the hospital can't do what they did, um, even if we didn't have a contract, um, at least as far as taking our paid time off. But we also have pretty clear... Um, guidelines in our contract about how often the hospital can cancel a nurse from their shift, and so they they very clearly stepped outside those allowances. So was this actually the state that dropped this? Was this at the state level, or was it at, because it, 
it seems like people were being paid, and then all of a sudden there was a window when they were not eligible. Yeah, and, and I don't understand why they dropped that window. I mean, like, when, when at the end of September, you know, we still had Delta running rampant, right. and then shortly after that, we had Omicron. And so, like, you know, we had this overlap, and, and Omicron, with it being so contagious, and you didn't know, one, it, it, you know, if you did, in fact, have COVID, if you had Delta or Omicron. So you had to rule on the side of caution. So why the state didn't extend that until, you know, until, like, now, until, you know, until we got through all of this, I, I don't understand. But, yeah. It, it, seems, to, it seems to have muddied the waters, you know, having that um, at the state level because then it makes it more difficult for the unions and then the, the, the profit makers use that loophole. Um, yeah, when that yeah. when that that eighty hour bank or whatever it was yeah. was in was in effect, there really wasn't any issue. The hospital was you know good about you know making people whole and, and keeping them paid when they were out. Um, and so yeah, it really left left the gap there. That uh, I mean, luckily we have contract language that backs up. Um, what is can we just talk quickly about COVID and what's happening in the hospitals? What you're seeing in Petaluma. And number-wise versus, you know, two months ago versus today. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, I'm not an official anything on COVID, but I can just tell you what I see in the hospital. Um, you know, with this last wave of Omicron, um, we had, from what I could see, more COVID patients than we had even during Delta. Um, however, a lot of the patients that were in with COVID they didn't even know they had it. They didn't have the symptoms. Not everybody, uh, again, like, uh, and there's no way to really know at that time, you know, who was in with Delta and who was in with Omicron. We did have people that, you know, were really sick and were struggling for air during that Omicron phase, um, but not near the amounts um, that we had, you know, at the height of the Delta, the Delta strain. Um, Currently, I think in the last couple of weeks, it looked like we had one or two, sometimes none, no, no, no COVID patients in the hospital. So definitely, the numbers uh, are are going in the right direction. So the vaccines are have been a real benefit. It sounds like um, you know getting oh. people out of the hospitals because I guess you know I was reading in the paper the other day a few people um, died in I guess Memorial and they were non-vaccinated. They weren't vaccinated. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I wherever I could, you know, if I knew of people that weren't vaccinated or were hesitant, you know, like I saw it directly in the hospital. I mean, during the Delta thing, it was very rare to have patients that were not vaccinated that were that sick. It was really heavily concentrated on the people that were not vaccinated. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and as far as the staff, um, how, how did the staff fare as well as, um, you know, with COVID? Did, was there a huge impact um, with nurses being out? Having COVID? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we definitely had our share of nurses who were um, out due to COVID. We had a couple of waves that went through that people were sick with it. Um, I think we, if I remember correctly, we had one or two people that actually ended up in the hospital over it. Um, but no, you know, we didn't lose anybody. Okay, good, good. 
Okay. Uh, for those uh, listeners out there who are just checking in, we're here today with Jim Gorlick, who's a registered nurse and president of the Petaluma Staff Nurse Partnership, uh, which is the union representing the nurses at Petaluma Valley Hospital. And we also have Jean Marie Zach, who is a registered nurse working out of the intensive care unit. Um, I want to uh, touch on a subject that we discussed, um, Jim, you and I on the phone earlier this week about retiree health. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like uh, there were some changes to your uh, contract, or the, the, the new contract has a different retiree health structure than your previous contract. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, yeah, so during negotiations, one of the things that we uh, lost was uh, for, for, well, as long as I've been at the hospital over 20-something years, uh, we had a retiree health um, benefit, where if you put in 15 or 20 year plus uh, in a benefited position, uh, it didn't work out to be a whole heck of a lot of money. Um, it might be, you know, $20,000 $20, at the end of it all um, that you could use in your retirement to help pay for medical bills, medications, things like that. Um Again, you know, not much money, but it, it helps. It really does make a difference. And But we, uh, the hospital, we were the last hospital in the system to have that. And, and it was just something that we ended up having to give up. But uh, we did strike a deal with the hospital that for those nurses who were of retirement age during the life of this contract, um, that um, if they chose to retire during the life of that contract, that the hospital would honor that retiree health benefit and pay those nurses a lump sum at the time of their retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the part of the reason we have uh, Jean rejoining us today is because the hospital, so this was tied to um, the contract language says that at the time of ratification, 60 days within the, from the date of ratification, um, the the nurses who intend to retire will notify the hospital of their intent to retire during the life of the contract. Um, We had our ratification vote back in March. It then took almost five or six months to get both parties to agree on what we were actually signing off. So the ratification ratification is a a process. You have the vote where the the nurses say, okay, we, we think that this is a good deal. Let's, let's do this. And then you have to go, th- the two parties have to go through and they have to agree on everything. So that official signing, and there were changes that the hospital wanted to have made to the contract even in October of this last year, it's that, that signing didn't happen until the end of October. At that point, we were able to print out copies of the contract and get it out to the nurses. We then notified the hospital of what we knew at the time. We knew of of seven nurses who possibly were looking to retire. Well, the hospital said that their um, interpretation of the language was that the nurses needed to have notified them within 60 days of the ratification vote, even though that's not what the contract says, um, and that they were denying these nurses their retiree benefit. Wow. Okay, so, so Jean-Marie, you want to tell us how that impacted you? 
Yeah, I'm due to retire um, probably in June. And we had a meeting with administration um, about a week or so ago, and I had asked my employer, well, first of all, when the contract came out, um, and I looked at it the same week it came out, and I saw the deadline, so I notified and made notification um, that, you know, I was going to, wanted to retire. And um, then this is what transpired, because now they're saying that we are not eligible for it. And so, because it was past the deadline of the ratification vote. So, I had asked my employer um, about a week or so ago in this meeting why my employer did not notify me of this deadline, you know, and because we didn't know about it until the paperwork came out. And they told me that they were not going to notify us of all the deadlines in the contract. And the only way that I would have known about it is if somebody would have sent us an email prior to the contract coming out. And um, and it's, it's pretty disturbing because, you know, we provided care to the community, you know, all these years. And um, this benefit was to help us with our medical expenses. And, you know, we're constantly putting ourselves at risk, the nurses are. Um, we're, you know, expose ourselves to aggressive behavior, um, to illnesses. And, you know, we will go into a patient's room, you know, with our standard precautions. And then a couple of days later, results will come back you know, saying that the person needs a higher level of isolation, but we've already been into that room and already been exposed, you know. And this benefit was to help us with our medical expenses once we retired. And um, it's kind of something that we're supposed to get for what we have given, you know, mm -hmm. community. And what's really frustrating because um, St. Joe's and Providence, they, they promote um, an action, okay? They want us to represent their values and their mission. And they have what they call a value in action award, which um, includes like integrity and dignity and justice, okay? And um, they want us to live to, you know, um, represent this. And each year they recognize one person um, for one of these categories that's to represent these, their values. And um, I was honored a number of years ago with a justice award, um, and it was given to me because I was an advocate for the, you know, less fortunate. And, you know, right now, I feel like I am, us old-timers in the system um, are the underdogs right now. And, you know, it's frustrating because they encourage us to represent their values, but now it's up to them to live up to their values also, you know. And it's easy to put a sign up um, in front of the hospital that says, you know, hero, heroes work here, but, you know, actions speak louder than words, you know. Yeah. Where's, where's the integrity, you know, and it's, it's time to live up to their values, too, and I feel like I'm, I'm just very disappointed that I even have to be here to be fighting for this or speaking up for this because this is something that it was just a timeline that they're, they're going by, you know, and it's like, you know, we put ourselves at risk so often and it's, it's just unfortunate that we have to be arguing about this or fighting for this. So was this money supposed to go into a medical account or would you just receive it as a bonus? And They were, um, in times past, um, they would give it as, was, you know, as for our medical expenses that we would, would be. And, but because of the contract now, 
um, they were just going to pay it out, and we were to be able to use that to supplement our medical. Okay. They were just closing it out. Okay. So the change. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, because a lot of I, the hospital where I retired from gave me mine as a healthcare uh, retirement account or a reimbursement right. account, healthcare reimbursement account, an HRA. So it's yeah. actually put in an HRA. Yeah, I have a credit card with money loaded on it, and I can use it for medical expenses. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, nonetheless. <laughs> I just wanted a little clarification. That's yeah, all. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, and it, it, it's really, um, you know, what we've been saying to the hospital. I mean, it, it's just so sad that we're even talking about this. I mean, this is totally. this was money that the hospital's already saving money going forward, right? They got rid of this benefit. This was a, a, a good gesture for the nurses who had already put in all this time. I mean, most of these nurses were already, I mean, they were already of retirement age. The, hosp- the, the hospital wanting a list of these nurses is really arbitrary because when we made this deal, the hospital had already figured out, okay, well, how many nurses could possibly do this? They had a list of how many benefited nurses were there and how long they'd worked there. So they already know who this list was. They didn't really need the list. And case in point, like, we didn't do that as a union. We didn't know who all. Um, and recently, when the hospital um, notified us of the nurses that they, um, they they were aware of the nurses who could benefit, uh, benefit from this, there were two more nurses on there that we didn't even know about. So, like, they already have the list. They're just using this this loophole as a, as a way to get out of honoring their agreement. Yeah. And, and, I, and I love how Jean Marie put it. I mean, like, where is the justice Right. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. why would you go that route? Yeah. Especially Jim Reno's, uh, when you go to retire, get, or when well, you're preparing for retirement, which is generally at least 10 years before you actually retire, you, you kind of have a list of, of these benefits that you're going to rely on and are going to enable you to exist financially uh, when you do retire. And so that's, that's a real blow. That's a real blow. Exactly. Yeah. So what steps are the union taking uh, to address this? Um, well, maybe we can circle back on that. I mean, we so we are, uh, we have grieved it. Uh, that was the meeting that Jean Marie um, joined us in. We actually had the five nurses who are intending to retire. They all came to that step two meeting. And, and I should say that um, local administration has told us numerous times that they want our nurses to get this benefit. So our local DON, our local HR person, they're telling us in multiple meetings that they think that the nurses should get this benefit, but their hands are tied. This is coming from from the top. The the top, yeah. The suits. We're we're grieving it, and we have asked that this move to mediation as well. Mm -hmm. However... In the mean, in, in, at the same time, um, I know we had mentioned earlier about dialysis. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were just going to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is the other big issue. And this has been an issue that's been going on since shortly after we uh, ratified our contract. Um, we were made aware by one of our nurses that um, the hospital intended to change vendors um, uh 
for the, the, the supplier of dialysis. In the past, there was this company, Fresenius, who brought in an outside nurse who delivered dialysis. Um, and so that nurse was always at the bedside of the, of the patient who was getting dialysis. And dialysis is a specialty. Most nurses get trained a couple of thousands of hours, thousands of hours, before they actually take over the care of these patients on their own. Because there's, there's a big fluid shift that happens quite often. Um, and there's also a lot of other complications that can come along, clots and, and things of that nature, um, that can be um, detrimental to life. So, um, so you want somebody who is trained in being able to continually and fully assess these patients for problems. Um, we learned after negotiations that they, the hospital wanted to switch to the Sanderling group, which had new technology that uh, had a, a more or less a waterless system. And so there wouldn't be such a, a big uh, fluctuation in, in um, fluids during the procedure, but all the other, and that's still an issue, but there's all the other issues, uh, complications exist as well. And their plan was to bring in a nephrology tech instead of a nurse to sit at the bedside. Uh, nephrology tech has very limited education and very limited assessment skills. And then the, the, the role that the, the dialysis nurse, the bedside nurse, would be doing normally was going to be doled out to a remote nurse, so somebody who's not even in the hospital, a lot of times not even in the same state, and they wanted the rest of the responsibilities to fall on the bedside nurse from our bargaining unit. Now, our nurses are not dialysis nurses, and the hospital wanted this to happen with us having a full patient assignment. So they wanted us to oversee all of our other patients and then attend to and, and, and deliver care for this dialysis patient. Um, so long story short, um, we uh, said, no, this is something that you have to negotiate. You should have brought this to negotiations when we were in negotiations because we heard that this was something in the, in the works for like two years. Um, and uh, we had to involve the federal mediator in this as well because the hospital was refusing to negotiate it. Uh, in the end, they agreed to negotiate it. And we currently have an unfair labor practice filed against them for failure to bargain in good faith because now, again, on the local level, we, we have written um, proposals that we think will keep the patients safe. The local administration who are doing the negotiations are saying that they agree that these are the safety measures um, that should be implemented, um, but... They are refusing to actually put anything in writing and make it part of the contract. Um, and, um, and then the things that they are not agreeing to is they're not agreeing that um, a traveler, we, we've said that a traveler cannot have these patients in their assignment unless the travelers are going through all of the same education that we are or that we would be. Um, and the hospital's not agreeing to that. And we've also said that the nurses' ratios need to be reduced to four to one um, on those units, on like the, the med surge unit, um, so that they can have the time to take care and assess these patients during dialysis. And the hospital is refusing to put that into writing as well. 
Okay, so I, I wanted to clarify, when you refer to a traveler, that is a nurse that is contracted from an outside agency, is not a, a regular employee of the hospital, correct? Correct. Okay. Right. And, and so, you know, like, we, we just, you know, we want to make sure that these patients, um, it, it is new technology, and, and from what we've seen, you know, you don't have the fluid shifts like you did previous. And so we have been very reasonable in, you know, we've requested the education that we feel is necessary to be able to do this safely. We've asked for the reduction of the ratios in order to be able to get into that room and see those patients regularly enough to make this safe. Um, and we just continue, one, the hospital is just dragging this process out, which is part of the unfair labor practice. They'll only meet for an hour here, an hour there, and the people that are making the decisions aren't at the table. And then our contract is very clear that when you negotiate over something like this, it has to be reduced to writing and made part of the contract, and they're refusing to do that. So we have just um, decided that, um, just recently, that we um, are going to to not have to, to, to ask the hospital to insist that the hospital hire outside nurses to oversee this procedure if they can't meet our safety requirements. So they can go back to the original model, they can still perform dialysis, they'll just have a third party registered dialysis nurse to oversee the, the procedure. Um, in the end, you know, we just want to keep the nurses and the patients safe. Do you mind? I have a question. So is the is the hospital going to be, is it a dialysis center? Because there's a few dialysis centers in Petaluma, and what do they do if you're a patient? Yeah, what should patients know? Most of the ones that are local, um, and we've checked with local hospitals as well, like Kaiser, they still do the Fresenius model. They still have nurses at the bedside. Sutter, they still have nurses at the bedside. This is something that um, Providence is trying to bring in. They're, they're doing it uh, up at Memorial, and they're having issues up there as well. Um, and so, you know, we're just trying, we are trying to, to get this to a safe place one way or the other. Because currently, currently, if I was a dialysis patient, I would not come to Petaluma Valley Hospital and have my dialysis done there. I thought there was uh, legislation that, uh, that took place in um, 2020 uh, where this issue was being addressed, and it was actually on the ballot where people could vote on whether uh, nurses would be replaced by uh, Technicians, am I am I correct on that? I can't speak to that. I know okay. that there was some stuff that was on the ballot, but yeah. I don't remember there being anything about you know nurses versus tech. Techs. Yeah. I remember there was around you know a doctor needing to be present. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Okay, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm wrong again. Well, I mean, well, this is a problem I'm with not the initiative process, which I'm not a real um, favor in the initiative process because, I mean, this is an example of what we could ask people, but sometimes you want professionals yeah. <laughs> instead of deciding that my next-door neighbor is going to decide on my life. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so well, that's our political system. Oh, so, so there is, there is or is not dialysis going on at PVH right now? There is dialysis happening. Um, you know, the hospital implemented this, which was part of the fight. Um, and, uh, you know, in mediation, they they wanted to know 
were they going to be able to continue to do dialysis there? We, they wanted to know if they were saying they couldn't do dialysis. And we had already sent in the, the union sent a letter saying, you're legally responsible for any negative outcomes here um, because we don't agree that this is being done safely. But we said, you know, you're already doing it. We expect negotiations to get us to a point where we're safe, and we expected it soon. Mm -hmm. So we weren't, at, the, at that time, we weren't saying you couldn't do it, but let's get it to a safe place soon. Um, but that's obviously not happening. Um, we, uh, I, I should add that to, 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 to connect these two things. So, you know, we have um, unfair labor practice out there over this um, dialysis issue. Um, we're going towards mediation on the retiree health um, issue. And at the close of the, the step two over this retiree health um, meeting, where the hospital said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. And I had said, well, we know that that's not true. We know you could write a letter that says, you know, we, we intend to, even though we don't agree on, on the date that the, the hospital needed to be notified over these retiree health um, possible nurses, um, that, uh, that, that we can, we can get this thing resolved. We know that, that, uh, uh, something could be written to make that happen. Um, the hospital said, well, stay after this meeting. Let's talk about it afterwards. And they had a proposal written up where they offered to pay all these retiree health nurses their monies if if we would agree to their last counter on dialysis, wow. which which wow. would you know, which was just uh, they wouldn't do it in front of the nurses that were in the room, but basically they would like us to undermine the safety of our nurses and our patients in order to get our retiree health nurses their money. And we, I, I in the meeting, I said, you know, like. I, I just know that our nurses, our retiree health nurses, they wouldn't stand for that. Like, that's not the kind of nurse that they are. And, and those nurses backed me up on that when I let them know what the deal was. But everybody was just so insulted and appalled that you would try to basically buy us out and sell our, our, our own liabilities and our patients out. Oh, this is so disturbing to hear this. I mean, this is really disturbing that yeah. they would even ask that. And it just shows their value. And the value is the bottom line, and it is not the safety of the employees or the patient. What level of management are you meeting with when, when this is occurring? Is it, is it local management, or is it they are they bringing in execs or consultants from... Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like, I just received the hospital's step two response, and it was signed by HR, local HR. But I have no way of knowing this for sure, but there's no way that that was local HR that wrote that. This, yeah. this, this, these, these are lawyers within the system, right. and I think that that is what is happening on these issues. Because, again, the same person who just sent me that step two response is one that's telling us and telling these nurses that they believe that they should get this benefit. So, you know, like everybody on the local level agrees that these nurses are awesome. These nurses have worked hard. They've given their heart and soul to this profession and to this hospital and this community, and they deserve this benefit. 
and yet they're being denied. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is um, quite a mouthful to uh, swallow and, you know, really digest, but it it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that Mm -hmm. this is um, this is unfair labor practice, in my opinion, and what they're doing to the nurses who have put years into our community by mm-hmm. taking away a promised benefit and then tying it to dialysis is yeah, you, you, using, it, using, it, using it as a bargaining chip. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, well, nice. what can we do to help? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're having a conversation. <laughs> you're doing it by airing this. You know, it's it's interesting. You know, like Jean Ray was saying, like she wishes that she didn't need to be here. I wish. I mean, I still want to be here. I and we've been telling the hospital for months. I mean, like I didn't even want to have Jean Marie and the other nurses know about this. I was like, let's let's not create bad blood. These are good nurses. Just <laughs> them, like. We don't need this out here. We're trying to change the dynamic. We want to bring people in. We want to keep them here. And so even leading up to this radio show, I, I said, like, by Thursday night, you can fix this. You know, like, we don't need to air this as being a bad thing. You can fix this before we get the information out there. So it is what it is. You know, sometimes a, a couple of black guys in the public spectrum, you know, that's what you got to do. Yeah. And so... Um, so you're helping us a lot by getting the word out there. We also, um, we're looking at, uh, I think the, sometime in April here, we're going to be doing an informational picket. And we're going to be asking multiple unions, the community, over all these issues that are outstanding, come out and support us. You know, this is we're going to have a good time. We're going to make some noise. Um, but, you know, this is your opportunity to, to stand with us. Okay, so, well, our time is up, and uh, I want to make sure we get in your um, your website information. You do have information on the website about, about this? Yeah, and, and that is something that I wanted to let everyone know, too. We are um, continually updating the website so that you guys can also know what's going on within the hospital. So that's snponline.net, snponline.net. So that's SNP, like Staff Nurse Partnership, SNPonline.net. Yes. Okay, good. I want to thank uh, you, Jim Gorlick, and uh, also you, Jean Marie Zach, for being our guests here on Inside Petaluma today. And um, uh, I, was, I was hopeful that you were going to bring us more good news than bad, but it kind of sounds like you've still got stuff to work on. And... Um, well, we, we, we've got three more years of this contract, so let's do it. We'll, we're exactly. we're going to keep trying to change things for the better, and I hope one of these times we're going to have all positive. Sure, sure. Okay, again, thank you very much, and um, we'll have you back when there's more to talk about. Thank you. It's good to see you again, and uh, Jean, I will be... I want to hear the news when you get your check yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Please. Well deserved. So you've been listening to Inside Petaluma. I'm Cindy Thomas, and I'm here with Janice Keter-Thompson. We're here every Friday from 11 to noon, and we will be back again next week. Um, you're listening to KPCA on 3.3 FM and streaming live at kpca.fm. 
And that's it. We're done. That's it. Well, yeah. we're done. And I'm today I really appreciated the conversation. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. That's a good follow-up, and I'm hoping we continue. Well, we're one year into it, and uh, we heard that in five years they were going to discontinue women's services. That's right. So we have more years to go. All right, everybody. Take care, and we will talk to you again next week. We'll see you. Thanks again, Janice. Thank you, Cindy. Bye.